Thanks for joining the podcast with Tamara Gondor. Conversations with everyday innovators that reject status quo, think differently, and make a positive difference in their world. Listen in so you can ignite innovation, influence others, and make an impact too. And now your host, CrossFit addict, knee-high sock lover, and according to her kids, average cook, Tamara Gondor. We're going to tackle the other side of the innovation coin today, the other side of being a strong everyday innovator, someone that innovates, influences, and makes an impact. In fact, we're going to talk in the middle of those three, and that's influence. I talk about it as the other side of the innovation coin because I think on one side of innovation and thinking differently and differentiating yourself and standing out from the crowd and creative problem solving, all of that, I think one side is how to have more ideas, solve your problems, think differently about going around that brick wall, seeing opportunities, like having ideas, right? But I think on the other side of that coin is communicating ideas for buy-in. It's so frustrating when you have all these incredible ideas, solutions bubbling up, and then you can't get traction on them. You can't get buy-in. You get shut down. You get that resistance from the people that you need that buy-in from. It just makes it hard to keep that motivation going, doesn't it? No matter how hard you try, constantly getting shut down can wear on you. So in today's Friday wrap-up, we're going to do two things. Number one, I'm going to share with you one simple language tool that's going to totally change the game for you and help you get buy-in and build collaboration and traction for your ideas. And then we're going to go through this week's Everyday Innovators, and I'm going to share you with you the big aha insight that I got out of it. Now, before I do that, I've got one request from you, and that is this. Please go leave us a review on iTunes in particular. Reviews equal more listens, which equal more impact. It's that simple. We don't take on a ton of sponsors right now because we want to focus on the value. I don't know, maybe one day we will. We love our sponsors. But those reviews are kind of like your sponsorship, right? It's a nod. Those five-star reviews make all the difference for us. So, hey, do me a favor. Go to your iTunes app scroll down on the show. And then if you look a little bit further past the episodes, you'll see where it says reviews and you can write a review there, leave your five stars, do all of that. I would so appreciate it. Thank you. Okay. Let's dig into both this language of innovation and dig into this week and do a wrap up on the incredible people we spoke to. A while ago, I was hired by a a large global baby care company to reinvent baby care. I was so excited. The category as a whole hadn't seen any kind of innovation as long as I could remember. And I assembled the Crack A team. And together, we spent six months digging in. We checked out baby toys. We looked at formula. We talked to dads, which at that point was the first time that they'd ever done that in their history. And after six months, we had created a range of innovative ideas that was going to push them into the future. We were so excited about these ideas. They were close in, like things that leveraged the brands, the products, the formulas, the manufacturing that they already had, and far out. So things that would stretch them, maybe they'd have to shift some things, maybe they'd have to acquire some things, go into new distribution channels, talk to new customers, right? Across the board, a beautiful range of innovative ideas. 
And after six months, we all flew to headquarters, which was across the country, and we shuffled into the CEO's conference room. Maybe you know the one. It's got that big wooden table that takes up almost the entire room and those old kind of pastel chairs that squeak a little bit when you sit in them. And I'll never forget, on the wall were oil paintings of CEOs past, none of them smiling. My team and I stood up there at the podium and I'm beaming with pride. And I look out to the room and it's, you know, my client, my client's boss, the VP of that department, the head of this department. I mean, everyone important is in this meeting and my team is crushing it. They're going through the ideas and I'm just, I'm over there, like I said, beaming like a mama bear. I'm so proud of my teams and the ideas. But then I start to realize that with every idea, there's this whisper coming at me from the right. And I look over and it's not my client, but it's my client's boss, the VP. And here's the thing about him. I don't remember his name, but what I can tell you is he had a mustache that was so big that it moved before he spoke. And with every idea, he leaned in to my client and whispered something. And I leaned in, it was things like this. Didn't we try that already and it didn't work? Didn't a competitor give us and it failed? Didn't another consultant try to have us sell that and we shelved it? Didn't R&D look into that and they, they decided not to go with it? Didn't a different competitor try that and we bought them out? I mean, every idea he squashed the life out of. And that was the longest, angriest played ride home I've ever had. I was so mad. Went through the 12 steps of rage. Actually, I started at step seven because I was so mad. And I just thought, God, why do they like pay us all this money and fly us out there, have us do all this work if they weren't going to listen to us? How many times have you felt that in the work that you do or the people in your life? Like, why don't you listen to me? Why don't you pay attention to what I'm hired to do? So I was so mad. And then I thought, you know what? Mustache man should not be doing innovation or have a say in it. I mean, obviously he's too jaded. And so when I got off this plane, I'm going to call this company and I'm going to tell him he should be fired. And then I went on to my poor client. Well, obviously this person shouldn't be heading up any kind of innovation projects if he can't kind of get buy-in from his own team. So when I got off this plane, I'm going to call him and tell him he should be fired. And then I went on to my poor team. Well, obviously this was not the A team I thought they were. They clearly snowed one over on me. And by, when we get to baggage claim, I'm firing them all. Now, fortunately for everybody, it was a long plane ride home. And by the time we landed back in Denver, I realized who was at fault. Yeah, you're listening to her. It was me. It was my fault. Here's the thing. We had been pushing boundaries and thinking about this problem we were trying to solve and innovating and problem solving and looking for opportunities. That's what we lived and breathed for six months. And then we shuffled into this conference room with people who were coming into this cold with their own priorities, their own ideas, their own needs, their own pressures at work. And we expected them to get it. We expected the ideas to sell themselves. And here's the thing. Ideas don't sell themselves. That's the hard truth. They don't. And we were up there pushing our brilliance onto people who hadn't had the time, hadn't been steeped in it the way we were. And here's the thing. Nobody likes to have your brilliance pushed onto them. What people really want is to be a part of the journey. And what Mustache Man taught me that day is that innovation has its own language. And when you change your language, you change your outcomes. 
Let me share with you what I mean on this one. So here's how this works. Let's say I'm going to grab, you can't see me because it's a podcast, but I'm grabbing my coffee mug and it's kind of half cold now. So let's say I've got this idea and you all are on my team and I need your buy-in. And I say, hey, everybody, I've got this idea for this coffee mug. It keeps coffee at the perfect temperature. It's got this no spill gravity gyro thing in it. So it can never, ever spill. And oh, it reads my thumbprint. So it knows what vitamins I need. And it infuses that. Oh, and it also has an alarm that warns me when I'm out of my favorite coffee pots. What do you think? All right. For the, first of all, there's like tens of thousands of you to listen. And I guarantee you there's under a hundred of you. They're like, yeah, tomorrow, let's go make this happen. And the rest of you are like, no, tomorrow. What are you talking about? What? You're poking holes in my ideas already. And hey, that's okay. I'm going to get to that. And here's what we do as a person trying to get buy-in. I see those very few people that nod their heads and I go, they get it. They're the yes-anders, right? They are. They see my vision. And then for the rest of you, who I need, but I don't buy in from, I look at you and I go, oh, you're just yes butters. You don't get it. You're jaded. And I ignore you. But here's the thing. I need all of you. Innovation doesn't happen in a vacuum. It doesn't happen alone. And the challenge is when we present ideas like that, when we're pushing them on to people, when we use that type of language, here's my idea. What do you think? Here's my idea. How do we move forward? What I'm doing is forcing you into an up or down vote. And we're humans. So of course we give you the down vote. We poke holes. Our resistance goes up. Maybe we even go into a subtle form of fight, flight, or fear and all the reasons why it won't work. And we shut it down. How many times have you presented a solution that you know is the right thing to do and it just gets shut down by the people on the other side of the table, even though it's like, do they not see the brilliance? It's because we're forcing them into an up or down vote. And as Mustache Man taught me, we change our language, we change our outcome. I'm going to give you some language. What I want you to think about with this language is how do I communicate my ideas in a way that bring people along for the journey, that include them in the process of moving forward? So let me give you this. So let's say I've got that same coffee mug and it warms up, it cools down, vitamins, has an alert. What would you do to strengthen this idea? What if I ended with that instead? Here's my idea. What would you do to strengthen it? Yeah. I can't see you, but I can feel your wheels turning out there. I see it every time I talk to an audience. They're like, oh, well, I would make the coffee mug a little bit bigger and I'd have an app that goes with it. Or um, I don't need the no spill, but I would include this instead. Here's three pieces of language that'll help you get buy-in for your ideas that get people out of the yes or no, out of the up or down vote and into a conversation with you that'll get traction. So I said one of them, what do you need to, what would you do to strengthen this idea? The second one is, what does this idea need to include to work for you? Let them tell you. We don't have all the answers. It's very egotistical of us to think we do. And number three, and by the way, this is my absolute favorite for those super analyticals who like pew, 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 like poke holes and everything all the time, because it turns out we actually need them, but we got to get them into solution mode. So for people like that, I say, here's my idea. Hey, what holes do you see and how would you fill them? Let them show show me the gaps that I'm not thinking about. Great. I need that. But also they can help me fill them and make the whole idea that I'm trying to pursue stronger. This is true whether your idea is an internal process or a product to go to market. Doesn't matter. Change your language and you change your outcomes. Thank you for that mustache man if you're out there. Maybe one day you'll call me and say, hey, Tamara, you've been telling this story about me for a couple of years. This is who I am. I would love that. All right. 
Don't ever forget that. Change your language, change your outcomes. All right, let's dig into this week's incredible everyday innovators. As a reminder, or if you're new to us, the purpose of this section isn't to give you just the highlights of the podcast, but to give you the thing that really rose to the top for me as I was listening to them and what action it made me take or how it made me think differently. And I'm sharing this with you so that, first of all, if there's any that you're like, oh my God, that totally spoke to me, but I missed that podcast, you can go back and access it and listen to the whole thing because you're like, yeah, there's some stuff in here I need to know. And maybe it'll help you just move towards action in your life, in your world as well. So on Monday, let me just go through them. On Monday, we had Rachel Griman, who's a photographer and a copywriter and a collaborative inquisitive. On Tuesday, we had Brian Ardinger, who's an innov- in the innovation space and a podcast host, who's a futuristic collaborative. On Wednesday, we had Sharon Moskowitz, who's a human performance coach. So think health, nutrition, mindset. She is a collaborative tweaker. And on Thursday, we had Monica Philp, who is a leader in the technology space at the AIM Institute. She's a futuristic collaborative. So interesting that this week, all of them had a collaborative in them. I feel like I go in buckets or in themes with their everyday innovator style. Now, here's the thing. They're all very distinct, both their perspective and how they innovate. You're going to hear it in the conversation about them. And if you don't know your unique everyday innovator style, go to our website and take the assessment. This is your greatest competitive advantage. This is your innovative mind, how you are wired to creative problem solve, decision making, be solution oriented. It's very powerful stuff. All right, I'm going to start with Monday and work my way through. So Monday was Rachel Griman, photographer and copywriter. And this was such an awesome, energetic interview. Rachel is an inquisitive and a collaborative. So the inquisitive is all about digging deep, pulling about the layers, really challenging how things have to be done and assumptions. For inquisitives, innovation is in the questions, not the answers. Now, collaborative side of her power triggers, collaborative is all about pulling disparate people and ideas and experiences together to create whole innovation. So plucking from over here and over there to bring it together like pieces of a puzzle. The combination creates whole deep innovation. So Rachel talked a lot about a lot of very cool things, one of which was about deciding on some of the things that she had to give up to manage her life through the chaos of the last couple of years that has been that way for a lot of us and how those tough decisions actually paid off. So I would go back just to listen for that alone. But I want to pull out something else because it really it reminded me of something that I think is very easy for us to drift away from. She talked about having a really clear message and being and getting okay with the fact that she's for some people and not for others. She talked about the fact that the word doucheburger is on the first page of her website. I love it. Love it. But she says, you know, part of the reason she makes sure to put that type of stuff there is because it'll be very clear who's really good to work with her, be an employee of hers, and who isn't. And that takes a lot of bravery, I think, to put yourself out there like that and, and be okay with like, hey, some people are going to like me. Some people are going to, I'm going to really resonate with. And guess what? Some people shouldn't like me and shouldn't resonate with me. And that's okay. I don't resonate with them either. So let's know that out of the gate. It got me thinking of something I heard a while back, which is this, that indifference is the enemy of success. Now I've said it in other ways, indifference is the enemy of innovation too, but indifference being the enemy of success. And here's how I take that away from both what Rachel was saying and that phrase that a leader told me a while back. You want people to love you or hate you. If you're doing, if you have people on both sides of that, you're doing something right. 
if you're in the middle and you're, as my grandmother would say, neither milk nor meat, then you're doing something very wrong. And if people are indifferent about you, your work, what you stand for, what you bring to the table, you're not even worth an emotion. Think about that for a second. You're not worth someone appreciating you, loving your stuff, wanting to work with you. You're not worth that. You're not worth someone hating you or being mad at you or talking crap about you. I love it when my haters are out there online, by the way. And believe me, I have a few, but I love it because they're spending their time thinking about me. It means I'm doing something right. I don't always love what they say, but if I can spark either end of that spectrum in people, then I know I'm doing something right. That place in the middle is bad. So, and I used to be there, right? Because I would try to kind of water down everything. Well, I don't want to be too bold about this because I don't want to offend anyone. Or let me just keep it in the middle so that kind of everybody can agree. Okay, none of that works. It's all crap. Indifference is the enemy of success. And I want to thank Rachel for reminding of that, reminding me of that. It made me a little bit bolder in some of the actions I took. Um, after having that interview, it made me adjust some of the language on my website. It made me rethink some speaking engagements I decided to take and some I didn't. And oh, by the way, I want to tell you something. If you're out there and you're like, I'm with it tomorrow, but I'm a little bit afraid. Like, what if I get rejected? What if they say no? What if I don't win the business? Totally could happen. So I'm not going to sugarcoat that. But I want to say something else uh, and share something with you. I had a, a new business call for a speaking engagement. And if you'd read the email that I got, you would have thought, ooh, toe the line tomorrow. This is a very conservative, middle of the road group, toe the line, right? Like say, say the, the safe stuff, say what's safe. But I just had my interview with Rachel. So I got on this call and I was me 100% with my everyday innovator, human-centered innovation approach, why I don't you know, bring the experts on the podcast, why I'm going to talk about these examples in my keynote and not Apple and Google and those guys, but all these other ones, these everyday innovators, right? So I did all that. And I, and I was okay, by the way, knowing that I could lose the business. Not only did I win the business, but I got the full fee for the business as well. It really does pay off to not put yourself in a place of indifference. Now, I'm not saying I couldn't have lost a business. They might have said, you know what, Tamara, your style, your approach, your interactive, it's not for me. And that would have been okay too, because it wouldn't have worked. I would have failed down the road working for them. Indifference is the enemy of success. Thank you, Rachel, for reminding me of that. You're listening to Conversations with Everyday Innovators on with Tamara Gondor Podcast. Let's take a moment to thank our generous partners that make this possible. I want to take a moment to talk about my friends at Howdy Puppy. Dogs experience all the same problems as humans when it comes to joint pain, anxiety, digestion, and arthritis. A great way to help our four-legged family members with these ailments is with CBD-infused pet treats. Who doesn't like treats? As you longtime listeners know, my Mastiff, Zoe, is part of my family, but is getting older and has some anxiety issues when strangers come around. Howdy Puppy CBD Dog Treats has totally changed her disposition, and I know she feels like her young, energetic, confident self when she gets Howdy Puppy CBD Dog Treats. There are many CBD-infused dog treats on the market, but the truth is that many of them are overpriced and ineffective. We've looked at dozens of CBD dog treats and found most of them disappointing. Howdy Puppy is among the best brands in the CBD pet business. They deliver consistent quality and their treats look and taste amazing, according to our dogs, of course. 
The company makes CBD dog treats in three flavors, steak, bacon, and cheese rolls. All of Howdy Puppy CBD treats contain natural ingredients, including high-quality full-spectrum hemp oil, all sourced and made in the USA. Full disclosure, I'm an investor in Howdy Puppy, but before I put my name on the company, I had an independent lab in Denver, Colorado, verify the quality and consistency of their treats. They are truly as advertised. Go online today at howdypuppy.com, link will also be in the show notes, and use promo code TAMARA, T-A-M-A-R-A, that's me, to get 20% off the absolute best CBD dog treats on the market. You will not be disappointed. Howdypuppy.com, promo code TAMARA. Don't let them suffer needlessly. Let them enjoy life too. All right, then on Tuesday, we have Brian Ardinger who does um, outside inside innovation. So he does a lot of work in startup and in corporate, kind of marrying those two innovation styles. And he's also a podcast host. I really like talking to him because he's a little bit behind the scenes. And as you know, I like everyday innovators, right? I like people who are in the thick of it doing it. And he does a lot of incredible work. He's a collaborative futuristic. So that collaborative is that you know intersection of random where you pull all these things together. Um, Collaborators tend to be very good at getting buy-in for their ideas because they love to pull different perspectives from people early on. So people are kind of part of the journey with them. And then the futuristic side is all about force through the trees, about today's problems being tomorrow's opportunities, about looking ahead and at impact. Futuristics are very good at seeing what you do today and how it impacts tomorrow and creating ideas today that are going to resonate tomorrow. So more long-lasting. So that collaborative futuristic combination brings whole forward innovation to the table. So Brian talked about something that I know I have experienced both as a failure and as a success. And he talked about with new ideas, you really got to think about the metrics you choose to benchmark the success of those ideas. Should you move forward with those ideas? And he was talking about how oftentimes we have the wrong benchmark. So we put these benchmarks on for things that are already established, already exist onto these new ideas. And then those new ideas fail because they need more time, right? They need the ability to tweak and adjust and edit. They need time to grow and change. Um, They're not always a success out of the gate. Sometimes they just need maturity in the marketplace. And that just got me thinking about the metrics that I use when I launch something new. I do tend to look for like, well, did it work or did it not work? And that's a mistake. And he made me realize that. In fact, I just launched this AI, artificial intelligence-driven sales tool in my business. And I just did it. I just this morning before this this, uh, recording found myself, I went online, I was looking at the results and I was like, "Mm, I don't think this works. I don't think I'm getting enough meetings out of this program that I'm running. And then I started laughing because I had interviewed Bart Ryan this week and I was reminded, Tamara, this is a brand new merging of something proven, right? A system that has worked for others in your business. So it's innovative. It's new. Give it some time, adjust, edit, see where there are sticking points, but keep moving forward and think about different metrics. Should the metrics be how many meetings I get in the sales tool or should the metrics be how many people view the information? instead, because maybe that'll tell me, are people even interested? Do you see what I'm doing there? Like very different metrics. So thank you, Brian, for that, because I might have shut down what would have been a good idea to keep going because I was applying the wrong metrics. We do that across our work. We do it across our life. Think about fitness. Every time we start a new diet, right? We think, why well, should lose 10 pounds in five days, which never works, right? 
I have never had that happen. We apply the wrong metrics. So like I did on this new venture that I'm doing, think about the metrics that you apply and how to apply the appropriate metrics to new and innovative ideas. And really think about, are you just attaching old metrics and setting yourself up to fail? Or are you really taking the time to look at this, the landscape in front of you and apply the right ones? Metrics really do matter. All right, Wednesday is Sharon Moskowitz, who's the human performance coach. So nutrition, mindset, fitness, kind of just overall wellness and health. Again, such a lively interview. Sharon is a collaborative tweaker. So collaborative, again, all about disparate ideas and experiences being pulled together, that whole innovation. And tweaker is all about editing and optimizing. Things are never final. It's not success or failure. There's just that great win or that great innovation. It's just one tweak, one adjustment away. So together, her magic, she combines whole optimized innovation to the table. Now, Sharon talked a lot about our self-talk and she talked about in different ways. She talked about in terms of like, it's the most important voice that we listen to. She talked about how what we say to ourselves is what we become. She also talked about how there's a difference between giving yourself grace, which is letting yourself off the hook, right? Justifying why you don't think do, do things and being gracious with yourself, meaning recognizing you can't do it all, knowing when you put in your best effort, even when you didn't get it all done or as well as you wanted to. There's a lot in that podcast around the voices in our head, and we all have them. And one of the things that she talked about, she gave this great story in the beginning about, you know, if you're that person that says, I'm not really good at remembering names, which by the way, totally guilty of right here, then you become that person. She said, so your brain goes, we're not that person. Check. I don't mean to, I don't need to remember Paula's name. Done. Right. In one ear, out the other. She said, but if instead of saying to yourself and to other people, I'm not good at remembering names, what if you flipped it and you said the truth, which is, I'm not making remembering your name a priority? Oh, I got to tell you, that one stung a little bit because I've been using that excuse for as long as I can remember. I'm just not good at remembering names. But if I really owned it, really owned it, it's probably true, right? I don't make remembering names a priority. So you tell me your name is Janice. And it's in one ear and out the other. You tell me your name is Jeff and it's in one ear and out the other. You t- tell me your name is Vivica in one ear and out the other. And literally I'm over there struggling like, shit, what is that person's name? Shit, they just said it. Oh my God, I can't even remember. They just said it. So I started practicing flipping my own script and taking more accountability for what I tell myself. For Yeah, for what I tell myself. So I started saying, I am making remembering names a priority. I, I'm not going to lie to myself and say I'm good at remembering names because I got to I got to work that muscle now. I really do because I've been bad at it and convincing myself I'm bad at it for like my entire adult life. So I started to say, all right, I am making remembering names a priority. Sure enough, this morning on a new business meeting, these two people said their names and then I said their names back and referred to it in the conversation because I had a whole talk with myself before the call saying, you are making remembering names a priority. And I did. And I remembered them. And it wasn't that hard. So that's just a little example, but I think what Sharon's saying is a really important one for all of us, which is what you're telling yourself is what you become. So if you tell yourself, I'm not an innovator, you won't be one because you're shutting your brain down. I know that in all the research I've done too. You shut yourself down. It's a self-fulfilling prophecy. And I guess I would ask you, where in your life are you creating self-fulfilling prophecies that don't serve you? that don't allow you to be the strong innovator you were meant to be, that don't get you to the success because you give yourself an out. I'm not good at remembering names. 
make sure that you're not doing that to yourself. I think there are plenty of places in my life where I am as well. And I'm going to make a list actually, as I hear myself say it, I'm going to start writing it all down because she's so right. What you say is what you become. There's so much goodness in that interview. So I hope you'll go back and listen to it because that kind of self-talk she talks about in a lot of different ways. And I think one of the tools may resonate with you. Another one may resonate with you, but it's, it was very powerful stuff. All right. And finally, last but not least on Thursday is Monica Philp, who is a leader in the tech space, the AIM Institute. So they work with leaders in the technology space across a lot of companies. And Monica is a futuristic collaborative. So futuristic is that force through the trees, 10 steps ahead, today's problems are tomorrow's opportunities. And that collaborative is pulling those disparate people, experiences, people, perspectives, all of that together, like pulling from here, plucking from there, pulling it together. That magic, that combination is whole forward innovation. So Monica was a just treasure trove of growth-minded insights and tools and just positivity. And, you know, she and I are both fast talkers. And I was re-listening to the interview and I was laughing a little bit because we're both so excited to be that we're saying so much. But man, she just rocked the mic. And one of the things she talked about closer to the end was how important it is to be solution oriented and how important that skill is in today's market of change and uncertainty that we've got to be solution driven and how that's the skill she looks for in her employees, but more importantly in herself and everything that she does. And what I loved about what she started talking about is, is it made me realize, you know, I think oftentimes we get stuck in a problem because we just can't flip the switch to say, I have a solution-oriented mindset and I'm going to look for the solution. It's not going to say I'm going to find it right off the bat. It's not going to say I'm going to solve it in two minutes. But that solution mindset is what allows you to see the opportunities and the possibilities and to figure out the path forward. When we get stuck in problem, we get stuck in repeat. And it's like an ever-evolving loop in our head of the problems that we face versus trying to find the solutions. In those solutions, it's incredible room for innovation, for thinking a little bit differently to figure out how to move forward. Now, I'm all for letting the problem percolate a little bit, not rushing to solution, but I don't think that's what she's saying. I think what she was, Monica was really saying that was so powerful that really spoke to me is how do we have a solution-oriented mindset that's always looking for the paths, the opportunities, the possibilities, the innovation, the solutions. And if we push ourselves into that mindset, we'll get further faster. We'll solve those problems because we'll find them. And oftentimes what I find is the best solution, the best idea is hiding in plain sight. So I want to thank Monica for that because it really made me realize that sometimes I think for a lot of us, we compartmentalize our solution-oriented mindset. So maybe we're really good at doing it at work or in a hobby, but maybe not as much in our personal lives, or maybe the other way around. Maybe you're really solution-oriented when it comes to managing your family's life and like scheduling, but not when it comes to work. That's what I see in myself, and I've seen a lot of the everyday innovators out there. And it just gave me a moment to pause and say, let me make sure that I am solution-oriented across everything that I do. And no joke, this morning, I was in the shower, which just, (laughs) here's a little TMI about me. I love long showers. It's my thinking time. I love it. But I found myself in a loop in that repetitive place. And I realized, all right, Tamara, you don't have to have the solution, but you do need to get into a solution mindset and get out of this repetitive loop that is just bringing you down. It's dragging down your energy, your mood, your ability to see the path forward. So I got out of it and I thought, all right, 
where's the solution in all this? Where's the opportunity? And sure enough, my mind went in a completely different direction. Now, I may not fully have solved the problem that I've been working on yet, but I'm seeing the opportunities to do so in a way I didn't before because I was stuck in that loop. So the next time you're stuck in that loop and it happens to all of us, just ask yourself like, all right, if I flipped it, where's the solution? I think you'll be surprised at what you'll find. What an incredible week. We have another incredible week lined up. I just want to point out something because I do think it was so interesting that this week we had all of the everyday innovators had one collaborative in their power trigger and then very different other power triggers up there too. So your everyday innovator style is a combination of your top two power triggers, your wellspring of innovation, how you are naturally wired to find those solutions, to be a creative problem solver, strategic thinking. And then the presence of a dormant trigger, which is your least. It's the one that, it's not that you couldn't necessarily do it, but it's going to exhaust you to play there. It's dormant, right? It's the one that you don't want to be playing in as your power play. I don't talk often about the dormant on here. Maybe I'll do a segment on that next week if you're all interested in it. But here's what I want to point out. Each combination is also distinct. Like we had in collaborative inquisitive, collaborative futuristic, collaborative tweaker on here. Just listen to this for a moment. Collaborative, collaborative inquisitive is whole deep innovation. Collaborative futuristic is whole forward innovation. Collaborative tweaker is whole optimized innovation. The magic is in that combination. No two brains are wired the same. They're like thumbprints. Each one is unique. And what you have, the way you innovate, the way you think, the perspectives, the experiences, the ideas that you bring to the table are unique to you. And What someone said to me this week that I absolutely loved is they said, you know, Tamara, they said, I love the assessment because you're not telling me to be something different or to change. You're just telling me, you're showing me how I can amplify what I'm naturally good at. That's pretty awesome. All right. Great week. Thank you to all the everyday innovators out there. Nominate yourself, nominate others. Let's see. Let's hear you on this podcast. Let's share your brilliance with the world. And with that, Tamara out. Congratulations. By listening to this podcast, you took another step towards becoming an everyday innovator. To leap forward, visit www.gotolaunchstreet.com and take the Innovation Quotient Edge Assessment to discover your unique everyday innovator style and access the Everyday Innovator Digital Magazine for the top tools, insights, and inspiration at your fingertips 24-7. Tamara will be back with another Everyday Innovator conversation soon. In the meantime, if you got a nugget of value out of this podcast, let Tamara know by leaving a five-star review and comment. Your review equals more guests, more listeners, listens bigger impact until next time